Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osban, here with my friend and Chavruta, Ann Gordon. Our DAP today, Masachat Ta'anit, DAP Kaf Hey, page 25. Just a quick reminder to please sign up for our CMA Masachat Ta'anit, which God willing will take place on December 12th. The registration form is on our Talking Talmud Facebook page, or you can send me and Ann an email. Um, and we look forward to finishing this Masachat and starting a new Masachat with all of you. Um, I'm just going to point out something at the beginning of this DAP here as we have our friend, Rabbi Hanina Bendosa, who we've mentioned before um, on this podcast, and he's a Tana um, who is associated with um, great piety and also with the ability to perform many miracles. Um, and even though we've seen him before, this is sort of a very classic passage of Gemara um, that, you know, talks a lot about his piety and also of some of the miracles. So we're, I'm not going to read it. I just sort of wanted to... Um, just to at least sort of point it out, he's first century. He's a student of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. He lives in the north of Israel. Um, and uh, just to pay a little bit of close attention, uh, that you know, this is uh, this is one of the famous passages uh, in uh, the Gemara and Tanit. We'll see him again in Chagiga, and we saw him, and we were first introduced to him on Brachot. Uh, so, if you want to know a little bit more about him, go back to our episode on Brachot uh, Lamed Dalit. Uh, uh, page 34, and that will fill in a little bit more about him. Um, and now I'll hand it off to you. I just want to say that I think also Bechanina Bendosa, for all that he's known about miracles, in contrast to our discussion of yesterday, right, where the miracles, there's a whole lot of ambivalence about the miracles, and can you, not can you rely on a miracle, but can you get any benefit from a miracle? I feel like nobody gives him any flack. Meaning he is a miracle worker, he is a pious, he is in a class by himself, Perhaps that's overstating it. I'm not sure because I haven't done any kind of systematic review in that way. But that is my sense of of who he is as compared to other discussions of miracles that we've seen to be a little bit more tense. No, I think that's a great point to make that, you know, yesterday's staff sort of had an ambivalence with miracles. The stories of Rabbi Hanina Bendosa are like full on, you know, this is what makes Rabbi Hanina Bendosa amazing is this, you know, uh, ability to have miracles perform, performed on his behalf. Okay, so I'm going to now take us to, I'm on Ahmed Aleph, we're on Kafhe, I'm on, I'm on Ahmed Aleph, and we come back to the topic of rain and fasting for rain, which is really the theme of the whole Masachet, just about, but there are so many, you know, nice twists and turns and offshoots and so on. So here, too, we've got exactly some of this narrative, but in the context of fasting for rain. Rabbi Chama Bar Chanina Gezer Tanita Velo Atamitra. So Rabbi Chama Bar Chanina decreed a fast, but the rain still did not come. Amrulei Vaha Rabbi Yeshua Ben Levi Gezer Tanita. So they said to him, "Did Rabbi Yeshua Ben Levi decree a fast, and the rain came?" Which seems like a, a bit of a dig at him, right? Like somebody else, your colleague decreed a fast, and he got the rain to come. Amar Lehu Haana Habar Levia Levi. He says, "I am." So this is, it says, I am me, and this, meaning he, Rav Yosha ben Levi, is a son of a Levi, meaning they're not the same person. So don't fault us for our lack of, my lack of success here. Amrulei, the native in Kavin Datin, he says, they say, well, come, we're going to all focus our, our minds. Afshar, the Tavre Tzibur Libai, the Ati Mitra. Maybe if everybody puts their hearts and minds together to, to focus on rain, then the rain will come. Which, of course, is an interesting 
uh, conclusion here that he's decreed a fast. And they say, well, okay, we're going to all work together, which I thought was the point of the fast to begin with, right? This idea that the community comes together. But indeed, they prayed for mercy, and still the rain did not come in this time. So then he says to them, Are you sure? Are you happy that the rain should come on our account? Meaning, are you really as good as you're presenting yourselves to be that we should merit rain? They say, yes. So he says, and this is where I think we get a little bit of you know, personification of the skies and the clouds, which I think is a really lovely twist on the way we relate to rain and the heavens and the need for rain. Skies, skies, cover your face with clouds. Lo ikase, but still the the, rain, the sky was clear. There were no clouds. Amar kama azin pane rakia. He says, how, how brazen is this, the heavens, the, the rakia, the sky, to not listen to me, right? Ikase va'atemitra. So then the sky was covered with clouds and the rain came. Meaning, finally, he takes issue or umbrage at the lack of response, and somehow that works. There's no comment further on this fact that the rain comes at this time. Rather, we get another story. Levi Gazartanita, Veloatimitra. So now Levi decrees a fast, and the rain did not come. Amar So he says, He turns to God. You're sitting up in the in the heavens and you're not having any mercy on your children. Atamitra. So then it rained. Veitla. It came. The rain came, but he Levi became lame because he was a little bit too chutzpahik with regard to God. So Rebelazer says, "Do not be harsh. Do not be rude when you talk to God." Because look at what happened to Levi, meaning he was so great, he was so important, and still this happened. Umani, Levi. So who who is the person that he's talking about? It's Levi, meaning the Gemara makes it very clear. Um, okay. The Gemara then discusses how it is exactly that Levi came to be lame, and then we get to my favorite part of this, of this um, as I say, personification of the skies, heard the clouds saying to each other, right? The clouds are talking. Let's go bring water over Amon and Moab. Now, these are areas, you know, countries that are adjacent, physically adjacent to the land of Israel, but you could have rain in Amon and in Moab and not have rain in the land of Israel. Amar lefanav, he said, he, Rabbi Chir Baluliani, says to God, Master of the universe, you gave the Torah, when you came to give the Torah to Israel, you went to all the other nations and they did not accept the Torah. We accepted the Torah, meaning it doesn't say it explicitly, but we accepted the Torah, but you're giving them rain, meaning and not us. Shadulahacha, throw, throw here, throw the rain over here, so then the, the clouds end up, you know, raining in over the land of Israel, which I find to be like such a, a strong argument, right? Maybe he's coming back to God. He's not being impudent. He's not being insulting. He's not being harsh. He's giving a logical reason that B'nai Israel deserve the rain more than Ammon and Moab do, which gives us also a whole lesson in history and the relationship between the countries as well, the nations.
So then we get, once we've got Rabbi Chibar Luliani, we get another statement by, about him. The Rash Rabbi Chibar Luliani, my Dechtiv Tzadik Tamar Yifrach, Ke'erez Bavanon Yisked, this is a very famous verse from Tehilim, from the Book of Psalms that we hear in Tefillah and Davening all the time, um, that the righteous um, flower or blossom like a Tamar, like a date palm, and and that they um, will grow like the cedars of Lebanon. So once we've got a tamar, why are we talking about an eres in terms of these trees? And why vice versa? Why do we need both? I might think that the same way that if I if I only had the tamar, if I only mentioned the palm tree, right, and we know that the the shoots of the tree do not replenish, meaning if you cut it down, whatever, then I might think that a righteous person also will not, quote-unquote, replenish, meaning in terms of uh, recovery from any bad things, right? That kind of thing. So therefore, we have the cedar as well, because the cedar grows new shoots after it's cut down. And the idea is that the tzaddik will also flourish again. But what if we only had Erez and not Tamar? I might think that the same way that the cedar tree doesn't actually produce fruit, then I might also think that Tzadik will not produce fruit. And this here, I've seen commentary that says, uh, will not have any reward in the world to come. I wonder if you couldn't also understand this to mean children, but but that's not the commentary that I've seen. And therefore, we make sure, meaning the Gemara makes sure, to include both the Tamar, the palm tree, and also the cedar tree. Um, and the Gemara goes on to discuss, you know, does does this really happen with the cedar tree? And all, in any case, the realia of it, meaning to what extent this is really a botany lesson, is not the concern as much as the symbolism or representation of these trees as the um, affiliation to a tzaddik, to the righteous person. Now, I just want to comment on the rest of the daf. I know you're, Dana, you're going to take over and talk a bit about um, a bed in the end of the daf, but this is one of those dafim, and I find this to be masachatanit overall, that there are so many um, nuggets of profound thought ripe for discussion, ripe for probing, and and a long investigation into everything that, you know, that could be going on here. We have a discussion of the, the malach over rain, which we're not going to talk about today, right? But because we only have a certain amount of time and this is, you know, this is dafyomi, which means our pace is very quick and we say this all the time. But I just want to note that there, there is much, much more to this tiny little masachet than any, you know, rapid dafyomi kind of uh, shir can do justice to. So I, I leave it to you, our co-learners and our listeners to investigate for yourselves and just to know that it's there for future reference or future delving as you go. Uh, no, that's for sure true. And I, I'll just, you know, mention outside, you mentioned the angel and the whole concept of angels as they appear in Gemara is very interesting. Probably could be its own multi-episode, uh, a few episodes of this podcast. But but the, the angel mentioned here is, you know, associated as being the angel of rain. Um, and also just pay attention to the story of Rabbi Eliezer, um, and Rabbi Akiva. That's our friend Rabbi Eliezer ben Herkinez, who sort of has this, uh, let's say, more harif, uh, you know, uh, uh, temperament. 
Um, and we see sort of that uh, it's said it explicitly here that Rabbi Akiva gets answered because he's more forgiving. So when we read more about Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Akiva, uh, this Gemara Tani is, is important in terms of filling out their entire personality. So just uh, just wanted to make note of that. Um, I'm going to jump down to in uh, Amud Bad at the end with the stories with Shmuel HaKatan. So Shmuel HaKatan is not the Shmuel uh, that we uh, often uh, talk about, you know, the, the one of Shmuel and Rav. Um, yeah, Shmuel HaKatan is actually very famous for um, sort of uh, setting, he, he's, a, he's a Tana actually, so he's not Namora, second generation Tana. Um, and supposedly he is, he's accredited with having established uh, much of the, uh, 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 standard prayers that we say in the Siddur, um, and specifically that he wrote the Berakat Haminim, that ninth that we add to the uh, Shmona Esrei. So that's who Shmuel HaKatan is. And so the Gemara tells us the following, Shmuel HaKatan Gezar Ta'anita V'yardilahem Geshamim Kodem HaNetzachama. So Shmuel HaKatan, you know, decreed that there should be a fast, and the rain fell actually before sunrise even happened. So remember, we're talking about two different elements here. One is, as we learned previously in Masachatani, they can't wake up in the morning and decide you're going to fast. You have to declare that the next day is going to be a fast day on the day before, even though you might not be fasting at night, which seems to be what the case was here. The fast was going to start in the morning. Um, but the other thing that the, this dot is sort of dealing with is, you know, first of all, how much rain does it have to rain to say you no longer need to fast? And let's say you started fasting, do you need to continue with your fast. And so the Gemara had a whole discussion that maybe it's, you know, just until Chatzot, maybe it's till the afternoon, what, whatever it is, depending on when it rained. But here's a different question. The situation with Shmuel HaKatan is create a fast, but before really you've even got into the day of fasting, it already rained, right? So the nation assumes what? Okay, this is praiseworthy for the community. It means that the community merited that they didn't even have to fast and it rained. Amar lahem, Shmuel Katan says to them, and Sholachem Mashal, I'm going to tell you a parable. What is this? It's like a servant who wants a reward from his master. And it's the master says to his other people in this household, uh, basically just give it what he wants, give him what he wants. So I don't actually have to hear his voice. In other words, there's something about the process of us having to pray to God which shows our close relationship to God. And if we're taking away that opportunity because God almost fulfills the request without us having us prayed, Shmuel Katzen is saying that's not praiseworthy in a way that's showing God's annoyance at us. And then they give another example, Shuv, Shmuel HaKatan Gazar Ta'anitza V'yardulahem Geshamim L'achar Shkir HaChama. So here it wasn't before sun, uh, sunrise, right? Here it happens uh, after sun after sunset, right? So again, the people think, okay, th this is a good thing about, uh, you know, this is praising the community. Shmuel says to them, So again, he says, no, this is not praiseworthy. And I'm going to give you another, um, another mashal. So what is it like? It's like a slave who wants a reward from his master. And the master says to the other people in his household, wait until he suffers and he's requesting 
and then give it to him. So again, this is the idea. The fact that the rain didn't come till after sunset. So they had to do the whole fast day. So initially they say, okay, so then that means this is Shevach to the Tibor because it means God wanted to hear our prayers and God waited to delay it. And he says, no, what it really means is that, you know, God sort of waited. So I, I, I think, you know, uh, so basically then we're left with, okay, well, if you can't have it that it rains before the fast and you can't have it rain after the fast, the Gemara asks the obvious question, okay? Then in which case is there ever a, a time where it is praiseworthy to the community, right? Then you're saying whenever it rains, it always means something bad is going on between God and the people. And that sort of makes sense because if we're saying that you needed a fast day, you really needed to do teshuva, what is there to actually pray? The fact that you had to resort to that means there's nothing really praiseworthy here. And so the Gemara answers, Amar mashi baatamitra. So the Gemara explains when the prayer leader says, right, you know, Mashi Baruch, he makes wind blow and the wind blows. Or when he says the rainfall and the rainfall. So I, I think the way to understand this is, is that there's sort of this balance that Shmuel Katzan is saying, which is like, you want to see that God is open to prayer, right? So the prayer leader says, gets to the point of saying, Mashi Baruch, Amorid Hagashem, but the prayer is answered immediately. It's not the rest of the day. As soon as the prayer leader says, as soon as the Shliach Tzibur says, those things actually take place. And I think that's interesting if we look at some of the prior stories we had where, you know, somebody, uh, a Tana or an Amora did something, right? There was a fast day and then immediately it rains after they prayed or they said something or a circle was drawn, whatever it is, there's not outright criticism of those. We look at those stories and see their prayers were answered. They were somehow able to harness some type of relationship, some type of merit with God, and that was, you know, fulfilled right away. And so that's what I think Shmuel HaKatan is saying, is that this, you know, th these two extreme examples of it, sort of the, quest, the request being fulfilled before you even fasted versus the request being filled hours after you asked for the rain, those are things that are not praiseworthy. And it's really those stories that we saw before where it's prayer with an immediate response, that's when it's Shabbat on the Tzibor. And again, I think this shows this, uh, you know, ambivalence that we keep talking about, about this whole procedure with the fast days and the praying for rain. That's our DAF discussion for the day. Thank you for joining us. Rank us, review us where you get your podcast. Come talk to us on our Facebook page and tell us what you think about this stuff. Thank you to Rebani Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. And until tomorrow, go and learn. Thank you.